0: Hi there, I'm Hagen Krenz, Hagen like the ice cream, from the amusement only Pinball and Arcade Museum in Seligenstadt, Germany, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast now.
1: Hey everybody, it's the Scene World Podcast. My name is AJ. He is Jurg over there. I'm pointing at him so you can see him. Hi. Uh, and this is the Scene World Podcast. Um, in a minute, we are talking to Pavel Anoshkin, who is the founder of the Index Computer Museum, as well as Oleg Senyon, who is the technical manager of the Index Computer Museum. And the Index is a big deal. It's kind of like the Russian Google, if you want to go that way. Yes. So
0: and the credit for finding our guests goes to you because?
1: Because it was a, in a piece of news I found about they, they were running a retro game, um, a, a ZX Spectrum retro game contest. And by chance, they decided, yeah, we'll talk to you. so
0: Exactly. And uh, so we <laughs> learn a lot about Russia and the demo scene yeah. and how it all started.
1: Yeah, yeah. Before we get to that, though, we are going to do a little bit of news. There's only a couple of little pieces, and then we'll get to the good part of this. So
0: I'll let you start. Sure. So just recently, the Retro Magazine 2 was released in English. It's a PDF that is um, originally Italian, and they decided to make an English version of the magazine issue. Okay, cool.
1: Very nice. Very nice.
0: Very nice. Yes, um, and I have the second piece of news um, that is related to Farming Simulator, which we had a couple of time-ish, um, um, well, episodes ago, long yes. time ago, we had um, somebody like, from yeah. from also Giants.
1: Withered and died uh, in that time.
0: Uh, probably not, he was pretty young when we spoke to no, him. No, 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 I said
1: our, our crops have withered and died.
0: Oh, Okay. I understood our guest died. No, he didn't. Okay. Um and and they actually right now have the farming Simulator sixteen free of charge in the Google Play Store and in the um Apple App Store. There it is in Google Play. Yeah.
1: Yep. It has it, it does have in app purchases, but it's free to download and play.
0: Yeah. And as you can see in the interview, if you didn't, there is footage of um, AJ mastering the um, earlier version of Farming Simulator on the C64, and he enjoyed it no, to the maximum. No, that, was, that, was, that was you,
1: because,
0: oh, wasn't no, me? No, I, I did the PC version. You did the oh, C64 version. Oh, okay, yeah, version. that's right.
1: Yes, yes, I did do the C64 version. My bad.
0: Yeah.
1: Emulated because it crashes on an NTSE C64
0: which is actually why they shipped it with the Paul C64, so that American influencers can make yeah. uh, YouTube um, reviews about it. Uh, the only
1: news I've got here is Robin Harbron, who we, we know because he helped code the uh, outfit for our magazine. Uh, he currently has the show and tell on YouTube. It's, a, it's doing pretty well. Um, And he just recently did one that I thought was kind of interesting where they estimated by using the the um, the German tank problem, which is where you try to estimate the amount of things made based on their serial numbers. And they've. Yeah. And right. So so they were trying to figure out how many uh, because it was perifractic, I believe, that asked uh, on a Facebook group. If anybody knew how many 1581s had been made,
0: yeah, and the special thing, at least here in Germany, was the 1581 was produced for a certain time frame and then they stopped production and okay. resumed productions for a few years.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So there actually are two production lines of the 1581, which is interesting because any other peripheral. Um, uh, Commodore made from the beginning t- to the end of Commodore, except the 1581 and the SX64. Uh, yeah, okay. the SX64 okay. had also a shorter lifespan in in production. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So they they collected a bunch of serial numbers, one of which was mine, which is sitting. You can't. Uh, it's back. It's back here. This is mine. Um, and they uh, they used. They extrapolated from these numbers. There was a bunch of different – there's a couple that are just five-digit numbers. There's a couple that are just six. There's a bunch that have, you know, prefixes before them. And they estimated, judging by um, how these numbers are laid out and and how they're they're, um, parsed and whatnot, that the estimate currently is about 57,000 of these things were made. Wow. Which is way more than I thought would have
0: been made mm. for. Me. Which is interesting because that I, I I still don't know to this day why Commodore decided to stop production and then later on, hey, we changed our mind. Let's recontinue the production. Well, I do know that
1: a that lot of them got cannibalized for amigas because they use the same mechanism. And the fifteen eighty one was never a big seller. As far as you know, I mean, 50, all, all, most software is made for the 1541. That's the one that you need to have. The, 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 the 81 was like a little, a little, too little, too late. You know, it was kind of towards the end of the 64's life cycle, and no, not many people, unless you were really into like you know running a BBS or no, BBS wasn't wasn't me, but I it was wasn't, it wasn't me either.
0: Wasn't wasn't me I was yes. a Geos user. I loved Geos on this thing.
1: I I just loved it for the fact that I could I could put it, that it was 800 k of storage that I could put stuff on. I I thought that was great. Wasn't that
0: 720?
1: No, it, no. Uh, PC is 720. Uh, the 1581 is 800, and then the Amiga does 880.
0: Wow. Yeah. 880, 80. I hope. What's that? Because eighty eighty would be a bit No, eight eight eighty. Eight eighty. Ah eight
1: eighty. Yeah. Yeah, they use a little bit extra on the disc. But but yeah, so yeah. And that was the other big thing, is like I could always point out to my friends that hey, my fifteen eighty one holds more than your PC does. Mm. But but yeah, so not many and, and mine I got I got for free. Somebody just sent it to me. Because it couldn't read PC discs.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no.
1: That, that, that's that, that's this one. But my original one too. Somebody just sent to me, back in the 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 nineties, the nineties, I guess. Um, they, they, you know, someone just said, "Do you want a 1581?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And they sent me one. And wow, it was fantastic. It, it was a weird. It it was one of the, the 1581 had an issue where um occasionally it would eat discs. Never never
0: just, happened on mine.
1: No, they fixed it in the later later ones, and you could also fix it if you had, had a Jiffy DOS chip installed. Mine now has Jiffy DOS. The one I had back then did not, and so every so often, not very often, but occasionally, you'd put a disk in, and it would be destroyed.
0: Never had this thing, and I used it, like, for years. You, you've probably got one of the newer ones where they fixed it then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. you know it's 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 a fantastic drive, but no one really knows how many they made. So now we have an estimate of about 57, and that could change. We'll put links to to the video where Robin figures it out with a C64 program. Wow! He, he writes a basic program to to extrapolate the numbers. Um, wow! Along with the the spreadsheet and whatnot that that you know that he has listed, and they will be. Um, they'll be change, changing this As new New data comes in So Nice I already see that That based on text submissions We're up to an estimate of 58,000 So combined is, is You know there's like a lot of different there, There's a fair amount of different estimates To how many I've seen as high as 65,000 Or as low as 55 But it seems to be that this is still not a high volume thing, but
0: so you learn a lot in this episode. First about yes. the fifteen eighty ones and now about Russia mm-hmm. and the retro computer demo and collecting scene. Yeah, let's go talk to them because they're right there. Yeah. In Russia,
1: which is not actually right there. It's quite quite a bit over that way. But
0: nice. Hey everybody. Before we start with the interview. Just wanted to add one little thing um during this interview with the Yandex Museum. we don't start right at uh, Soviet Union computer history, yeah because that has already already been picked up by an article from a demo scene called a s from Russia from the Allen group mm-hmm. in Triven for on november fourth ninety four start in the year ninety five and right. the reason for that is that um the scene and the history of Russian computer usage home computer scene and so on has been covered in Treven four, which was released on november fourth ninety four already mm-hmm. and there is an article about the Russian demo scene by a demo scener from Moscow. Who names himself A.S. by the Ellen Group, and this contact has been made by a Bill Coolhand Luke, who unfortunately died five years ago.
2: Yes,
0: and he he was the first guy to make contact with the Russian demo scene, and uh, he was also one of the early supporters when Scene World wasn't even a thing yet, and I was still in planning phase. Mm-hmm and he was back then the main editor of Triven, and since Triven wasn't around anymore he gave all his support and pushing towards the scene world magazine so we're gonna put a link
1: yeah we're gonna put a link to the pdf of that thing also uh, a link to um we're gonna put some some screenshots of that article up on the screen if you want to pause it of the video if you're watching the video version of this you might want to pause it so you can read it or download the actual issue of driven number four which has graphics by me from from, there back you go. from 1994 and music and it actually the issue actually also has a very interesting focus on my demo group rpg so by all means check it out because it's very interesting
0: today We are talking to two people from the Yandex Computer Museum in Moscow, and that would be Pavel and Oleg. Hello. Hi Hi. there, guys. And we have our translator, Paula, in the background to help with translating Mm -hmm. in case that is needed. So nice to meet you, finally. Um, Thanks for uh, being here.
2: Thank you for (laughs) the invitation, Yeah.
0: So um, I guess let's start with um, Pavel. How did you actually, well, got the idea of starting a museum, and when did that happen?
2: Well, it was kind of happy accident, you know. (laughs) Uh, Actually, we were preparing for a 20th anniversary of our company, Yandex, uh, which is, as you probably know, or maybe don't, is a search engine and whatnot. We Ride-sharing, taxi aggregator, what, what, what not really, uh, a lot of services. So uh, three years ago, in nine, in oh it's 20 oh, uh, oh it's 20, 2017, I am uh, a mm-hmm. bit messed up here. So three years ago, we were celebrating 20th anniversary, and so we were preparing uh, anniversary, anniversary exhibition. And um, uh, we, we were scanning through all the memorabilia and actually we found uh, a couple of things that were relevant it was the first server on which uh, the first version of the web search wa- was ran uh, and a copy of the first product it was you know bible search it was an offline de- demo of a search engine so we decided to revive it and to run it to make it available uh, It actually went quite good, quite well, so it was fully functioning and so we got an idea why showing only one functioning computer, why not collect something more interesting, more computers. I uh, brought my collection to Yandex. I was collecting Unix computers before when I was a student. Uh, and so that's how it started. We were happy to have support of our then CTO Michael Parachen, who was very into that, enthusiastic about computer history. Uh, he used to work uh, under Dave Cutler in Microsoft. You know, probably not, but Dave Cutler—he is responsible for IR611, for VAX VMS, and later for Windows NT. So he was pretty much into it, into all of it. And so, with his support, and actually with support of uh, a big part of our company, we started. Uh, at first, it was a small exhibition inside our company, only for employees. Uh, but as we understood that there is much interested, much interest in it, uh, we were seeking for a room which we which we could make available for a general general public. And so. Where it was available, actually, that's how it started in the grunge scheme of things. So here we are.
0: Nice. And what's your part of the story, uh, Oleg? I mean, you are the technical manager. How how did this happen to be for you?
3: Yeah, it's really a nice experience. Uh, In fact, I I joined uh, Yandex company only one half, half of a year ago in uh, last winter Uh, but uh, all my life i um, I tried to make demos uh, on zx spectrum because uh, zx spectrum is the most popular platform in our country and uh, we tried to make uh, some demo parties and i was uh, and i'm i'm still uh, organizer of one of the biggest uh, demo parties uh, in Russia, is the house constructions, I will tell about it later. And uh, last year, uh, I, with my friends, uh, helps, helped uh, Pavel and his colleagues uh, to um, uh, make a Retro-Computer Festival in the Yandex uh, Museum uh, called Demodulation. It was a pilot project uh, last year and uh, we introduced to each other and uh, we like to work with, like to work each other and uh, then they invited me to join their comment and uh,
0: now I'm here.
2: And we're happy that Oleg accepted <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Well, um, you, you mentioned it actually, um, You said you have your own computer parties and stuff. And that's interesting because Russia is not really covered a lot outside of of Russia when it comes to demo scene history, demo scene parties, and so on. Um, I mean, the last time this topic was actually covered on the journalistic side from this in the scene was an article in the American Disc Magazine Driven from uh, 26 years ago. Yeah. So from '94, you know, and um, and the last the last twenty years, we tried to approach people, and it's really hard to find people from Russia willing to talk about this side of the demo scene and the Russian computer history. Yeah.
1: And there's so much that we don't even know. I mean, you know, we discovered when we saw the um, you, you're having the the retro game uh, battle contest. Yeah. Uh, yes. Thingy, uh, and, and prior to that, we had we didn't know that the ZX Spectrum was even that big in Russia.
2: Yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> uh, Russia is pretty much a spectrum land <laughs> when it comes to Democene. <laughs> yes,
3: everybody knows that uh, Damascene comes from comes from uh, Commodore 64, but uh, it was unable to buy it in Soviet Union and uh, in Russia in early nineties. Uh, so the ZX Spectrum uh, became uh, the most popular platform in uh, ex-USSR, not only in Russia but in Belarus and uh, in Ukraine and uh, so on. Uh, it's because it was cheap and uh, it was um, uh, it was easy to uh, copy this computer on uh, Russian uh, radio electronic components. Mm-hmm so uh, it was done in uh, they in the end of 80s and uh, at the beginning of 90s it was uh, uh, it was produced in uh, a lot of factories all over the country so our uh, the, the first computer of of me and of my friends and a lot of
0: people in uh, USSR was that spectrum
1: hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I mean, the Russia even made made the, um, the the biggest game on the machine that is only available on on uh, on on Second Spectrum in Russia. It's Aggressor. called Aggressor. There you go. Aggressor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like it's told to be the largest game on this platform on the sector Spectrum. Hmm. Um, it's it's only available in Russian and there's an English demo for it, but it has never been translated. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's called... I I should say that uh, there's not only one uh, bigger,
3: big game for the Spectrum made in Russia. There are a lot of games also. For example, Black Raven, as I said, uh, it's uh, by Vyacheslav Mednanogov, And uh, UFO is Enemy Unknown, and uh, Colorbox Zoom 2. And... uh, Posse and uh, a lot a lot of games really Mm. and they are A a lot of people uh, still made uh, still making uh, computer games for ZX Spectrum
1: Mm. Yeah, that's it's an entire ecosystem that we in the in the West don't really get to see very much because Like I said, you know before before a couple of days ago We didn't even really know that the ZX Spectrum was big in Russia and um europe and the u.s for the most part kind of shared the games market you know they they there were some differences so we didn't get all the things europe did and europe didn't get everything that we did but but then there's parts of the of the world where it's a whole different ecosystem and we discovered this when we talked to people in south america how it was in yeah, Peru, yeah, especially a, yeah. a completely different ecosystem with a with a completely different games market and a whole different cracking scene and whatever. And I imagine Russia is is quite the same with with a with a huge collection of games that that Jürgen and I have never have never even seen or heard of.
0: Quite so. Yeah, i I actually wonder, is there is there in Russia? A place where people actually preserve all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, in this article from '94, um, it writes that Beluk Coolhand was the interface between Russia and America, but unfortunately, he's not around anymore since five five years. So I wonder if if there is some some place where people can go and find this Russian stuff.
3: Uh, Firstly, it was the markets, it was the markets of uh, radio-electronic components, and uh, there was uh, some special places uh, where uh, guys uh, sold uh, sold, uh, uh, floppy disks with software, it was uh, at the beginning of the 90s. Mostly, it was the only one uh, solution to buy a new software because there was no internet. Uh, um, not m- much people uh, has uh, modems for Fido net, and uh, they are, they come to markets and uh, saw the similar people uh, as they are and. Uh, They started to connect and uh, swap between each other, uh, swapping software, and um, uh, some people uh, after playing games uh, tried to make uh, something own, something of his own, and um, they started to share it with friends, and uh, when uh, their skills... uh, and it becomes higher, uh, became higher. Uh, they uh, come to uh, to sellers of software and give them uh, their releases. And uh, it was the uh, mostly it was the only one solution to share it with a lot of people uh, all over the country. And uh, I guess yes, the markets were the first places of trading software. And, uh, to invite people uh-huh.
4: in the я тогда еще немножечко вмешаюсь, uh, вопрос еще, там еще немножко в конце было, есть ли какая-то система, которая позволяет вот это все сохранить то, что было наработано еще тогда, за многие вот эти вот годы, начиная там с 90-х, конца 80-х и так далее.
3: Uh-huh. Полин, я тогда на русском можно? Да,
4: конечно. Конечно. Uh-huh. Есть
3: большое количество ресурсов в интернете, где энтузиасты по сей день собирают информацию о продуктах 90-х и нынешних лет.
4: Mm-hmm. Basically, we still have, uh, even even though we didn't have internet back then, uh, we still have a lot of resource, uh, that the help us to preserve what uh, the software from years ago.
0: Oh, that's that's good. That's good. Um, I mean, I mean, I can only talk, of course, about what we have in Europe or in America. Um, there, there are databases like the Commodore Scene database. So, or, or um, even
1: even the you know Archive.org, the, the Internet Archive.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's all a bit clustered yeah. over many mm-hmm. places. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and you have this language barrier, I mean, when I look at Russian stuff, I'm like, oh, Cyrillic. Ah. <laughs> 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 that's a problem.
3: <laughs> For example, you can visit uh, zxart.ee, it's the Estonian website uh, oh. of uh, Dmitry Ponomarev, yes, uh, his, name, uh, his nickname is uh, moros1999. Uh, And uh, he collects uh, the software in his web resources uh, all over the country. In Estonian country, in Polish, uh, Ukrainian, uh, Belarus and of course Russia. Mm. And uh, I think uh, nowadays it's the biggest collection of ZX Spectrum software ever exists because uh, we have um, a lot of uh, side resources, such as uh, vtrd.in, uh, World of Spectrum, uh, PoetNet, for example, of course, you know it. And of course. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, Dmitry uh, wrote a web parser, web parser, who, uh, which, which uh, collects uh, the software from all these resources and integrated uh, into his uh, base, database. Wow, so, so it definitely
1: was,
0: you have to check that out.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, we'll put links to everything in the description of the podcast so that everyone else finally can check we, it out as finally well. Finally,
0: we're getting some info here. Yeah, yeah. You know, all this thing, um, I never knew who to ask, you know, like where can <laughs> I get this stuff, you know? Finally, we, we are getting all this info. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the only thing that that really came across from Russia was that you had that you had a big big market for the NES. I yes. mean, a J and I we did a special edition on the Dandy, you know, and the Dandy the Dandy was a special machine because it was it was made in China for Russia, and China yeah. uses a fifty hertz. PAL, like we do in Europe, but oh. you Russians had CCAM, and most TVs couldn't display the uh, PAL broadcast standard, so you all played um, the games in black and white. Mm-hmm. And not, yeah. not only this, but the games, the cartridge format Dende used was from the Japanese system, oh. the Famicom, which yeah. actually is a 60-hertz machine. So most games would run too slow, yeah. or even yeah. crash. You know, um, that's that's amazing. You know, I mean, I mean, I. Here, um,
1: yeah. Uh, were, you, were you west? You were West Germany, right?
0: Um, I'm I'm West Germany. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I was just I, I was just curious I if there was have any the
0: pleasure. Didn't uh, have yeah. the pleasure of learning ZCam. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I was just wondering if there was anything that carried over into into East Germany during the the Soviet years, you know.
0: I was too young to, to even yeah. n- know about that, um, yeah. but but I found it interesting that, for example, most versions of um, of um, Prince of Persia mm-hmm. on the Dandy just crashed <laughs> because it was made for the Japanese Famicon, which had the same cartridge slot at the as the Dandy. So mm. i I never understood why the Chinese never thought about actually making a machine that can run the games in the right speed and not crash <laughs> the games. Um, um, I, f- I found this super, super funny. Or for example, there is Robocop 4 on the Dendy. They just used Robocop 3 and crossed out the title <laughs> screen and, and wrote a 4 on it and and change the color to black and white and there yeah. you have robocop 4 for that for the dandy <laughs> like, like how, how crazy is that you know so i i wonder you you as kids you you obviously didn't know what you were getting you know you didn't know that it was not that good what you got <laughs>
3: Of course it was not fun fully compatible but uh, it was a good compromise to run most of uh, existing games uh, in Russia. Uh, you said correct about um, differences between uh, TV signal standards. So yes, the indie it was and it was cheap. It was very yeah. cheap. Uh, in fact, uh, um... <sighs> Алин, как сказать, уровень жизни, уровень дохода финансового был у нас в стране очень хороший. <laughs> um, uh,
4: basically, with the living standards that we had back then, it was a good compromise to have at least something rather than nothing at all. Yes,
3: yes, right. Yes, yes.
4: It was a way for us to enjoy those games, even if even if it wasn't perfect.
0: Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. the good thing is when when I got my dandy, the postal service couldn't read Carillion and they didn't even bother. I <laughs> said like a picture pa- package from from Russia. I can't read anything of it. Here you have it. I don't care. Take it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> that was the easiest way of getting my my parcel from abroad because normally it's <laughs> reaching customs and then you have to attend it, open the parcel. But but with the Russian parcel it was pretty easy. Nobody bothered. As soon as they saw Carillion, so um, (laughs) do you have it now? Of course, I have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but I have to use I have to use an adapter because the pins of the power plug are too short Mm. for our power outlets here in Germany. So I had to get an adapter. Yeah, yeah. they are still in
3: production, you know.
0: Really? Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it's, of course, not as good as the original. Yeah,
1: we did a stream, I believe, wasn't it? It was a Twitch stream yes. where we, yeah, of, where we, yeah, we, we went Twitch through. Yeah. With,
0: the, with the dandy, yeah.
1: Yeah, where we went through and played a bunch of games. and well, that uh, is like why Whatever I, games he could find.
0: Yeah, that is why That is why I know about the games being not so good. Because I yeah. got a bunch of them like, oh my god, they are crashing. How can they sell this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> funny. Um, all righty. So... Um, now, now, I, I would like to know, you spoke earlier about a demo scene party and even having a party at the museum. I don't know if you can relate, but in which way are Russian parties different from what we have in Europe? Um, I wonder how, if you can relate to that or if you have any way of explaining Yes, well,
1: well, let's also preface by saying that, you know, when generally, in, in again, we're bringing the U.S. into it, when we have, yeah. when there is a party or something in the U.S., it's really more of a, like exactly. a user group meeting. Yeah. It's some guys that sit around and they might trade some hardware or something, but it's not, it's not the full-blown demo party experience that you get in Europe. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a thing that doesn't really, uh, there have been a couple of American demo parties like that, but it's rare that the c64 or any of these older machines are included in that and that's the big difference like in the u.s a lot of people tend to be users where they they don't produce things on it and so the meetings are more of a you know learn how to do your taxes on the old computer or something whereas in in europe it's let's get drunk and make a bunch of demos
0: yeah which is way more fun yeah, in in a in a, um, demo scene party in Germany, for example, uh, there's always a group of people screaming "Amiga!" Amiga! <laughs> as soon as an Amiga demo is shown in the competition, you know. Yeah, <laughs> this part
2: definitely crossed the border, you know. <laughs> so
0: uh, you I hope
3: we have the I same, the so, same thing uh, there. Yeah. We also so, scream "Amiga!" as loud as we can
0: <laughs> <laughs> on every demo party. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, interesting because ten years ago I got an invitation to come to to uh, Moscow from a Demoscene party organizer. Really? But I had I had not I had not the chance to do it. But oh. uh, so so um, you also have like competitions and I mean describe your uh, typical Russian Demoscene party perhaps. You know, we have a lot of them,
3: uh, because uh, the demo scene in Russia started in 1995. The first uh, demo, scene, uh, demo party was uh, in, light, in Light 95. Uh, it came from St. Petersburg, uh, our city, and um, uh, it was uh, not so big. Uh, it was a pilot project. Uh, uh, they uh, People I yeah, met, uh, uh, met in a uh, uh, conference hall, it was uh, in about one or two hundred people there It was something like that ah. There was no projectors, uh, there only CRT TVs mm. and uh, the guys, it, it mostly it was the students and uh, some school people and the organizers was the students too and uh, no, the interest uh, was uh, b- big and uh, a lot of people come there. And then uh, next year it was the Enlight 96. Uh, it was uh, in the St. Petersburg uh, Military Sea University and uh, It was something like that, you know. Mm. Mm. And the third demo party was the Enlight '97, and uh, a lot of people came there. Uh, uh, it was in about uh, one and half thousand people.
0: Wow, that's and- quite a jump.
1: Yeah,
3: it was it was a really big demo party, but organizers was not ready for such (laughs) a lot of people and uh, They had to cancel the second day of it Mm. because uh, it was A lot of drunk people was there and they made uh, big problems with the administration and uh, Then Next demo party was a Fun Top. I, by the way, I made slides. Slides. Oh. Ah, nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, fir- first uh, three demo parties and lights was in Saint Petersburg, and the next demo party Fun Top 1998 uh, was in Moscow. It was uh, only one demo party which spent in Moscow, mm. and uh, it was uh, in uh, school. Uh, It was in in summer, Uh, the students wasn't studied, and uh, a lot of people come there, Uh, I guess it was in about uh, four or five hundred people. Uh, And uh, there was a lot of technical problems, uh, because, uh, for example, um, in the middle of the first day of demo party, uh, the electricity uh, was uh, wasn't down and uh, the organizers uh, had to uh, get the electricity cable and uh, to connect it to nearest house. Uh, they buzzed uh, in a door of a random flat and said that uh, we have a party, we have uh, a lot of guests, but we have no electricity, help us please, and uh, some random some random people uh, gave uh, them a p- opportunity to uh, take the electricity to party place. And wow. uh, then, uh, next year, um, uh, some of guests of Funtop uh, decided that, uh, oh, they We can also do our own demo party, Uh, and uh, some groups uh, started to spend the demo party in their own cities. It was the House Constructions uh, 1999 uh, in St. Petersburg, it uh, was the uh, Halt in uh, Nizhny Novgorod, and it was the cafe, the signature of Computer Art Festival in Kazan, and uh, Paradox 99 uh, in rostov don and uh, they were small demo parties, Uh, they had uh, about 50 people on each of it, and uh, next year uh, the main demo parties uh, was the house constructions, it was the mainstream demo parties from other There was a Millennium uh, 200 also, and Final Shock, it was uh, online demo parties. But uh, Paradox and Millennium in Belarusia. they were real parties, but with, uh, I guess,
0: uh, 100
3: people maximum.
0: You Um, had online parties spent years ago ago already? Yes, yes. Not bad, not bad. Yes, yes, yes
3: and uh, the next year in 2001 uh, it was major demo party also house constructions but uh, some of new parties uh, started not rauka for example as and uh, Antiktoy in uh, 2002 but uh, the cafe was the mainstream demo parties in 2002 and 2003 in kazan and uh, house constructions was cancelled this years and a uh, lot of releases was in uh, Tatarstan in Kazan so uh, from uh, 2004 till nowadays uh, house constructions was the biggest uh, demo party in Russia and uh, for example this is a history of other years wow yes uh, and uh, i started i I joined the Orger team of uh, Chaos Constructions in 2005 and uh, we spent uh, all this year I uh, did eight uh, bit compose there mostly that spectrum of course but not only uh, from 2007 the uh, halt uh, became the such uh, main su- such mainstream as a chaos constructions and uh, till nowadays this is the situation in russia uh, last year was the w- one of the biggest demo party was a cafe also it was uh, resurrected uh, uh, from 60 uh, 16 years of silence and uh, this year COVID uh, makes uh, us Unhappy to spend. <laughs> yeah,
0: everybody's democratic. struggling. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes,
3: yes. So the uh, halt Lights uh, was the first and only offline demo party in Russia till now. It was in January. Right. So we're waiting for Chaos Constructions in the end of uh, August, and of course uh, our own uh, festival of retro computers, uh, Demodulation which we announced uh, not so long time ago. It will be in October. And uh, I don't know, would it be online or offline? Uh, But uh, it will be spent, I promise.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful.
3: We announced, uh, I'll show you. Here is our website. It has an English version.
0: Good! (laughs) Yes.
3: (laughs) For our European friends. And uh, for example, uh, there are five competitions there. It's uh, the old-school chiptune music. Mm -hmm. It's uh, old-school pixel art graphics, uh, 256 bytes intro, old-school demo, and uh, one real-time compo. Uh, of making a low-res graphics uh, 32 on uh, 24 dots. And uh, here is the list of platforms. That's quite a lot. Yeah, we are invited to join on.
0: Mm -hmm. So... This is the situation. Nice. And um, how how did it actually start that you made this um, game competition on the ZX Spectrum? I mean, on your panel of judges, you have quite some um, known people from Russia and other places that are game designers and, um, and, um, on, and so on. So it's there's this other side were you concentrate on um, bringing more games to those old platforms?
3: Uh, you know, um, this story was uh, started in 2014. Uh, the, one of the uh, first organizer of uh, Yandex Retro Games Battle uh, wasn't wasn't uh, in a Yandex company yet but he decided to spend uh, his own uh, competition and um, he named this uh, he named uh, it as uh, Retro Games Battle not Yandex j- just Rhetoric Games, Game, Games Battle and uh, it was it uh, it was spent uh, with uh, with a big n- not so big but it was successful really, really successful competition it was in about uh, ten games there, and uh, the organizer had uh, prizes for com- competitors. Uh, so uh, then um, we had uh, another competition, as uh, named it as uh, Tvoya igra." It's uh, "Your game" on English. And uh, it was spent uh, for uh, six or seven years, I guess, uh, also. So a lot of people uh, are interested uh, to make games, their own games. And uh, last year, when uh, Dmitry, is the organizer of the Games Battle in 2014, uh, he joined the Yandex team and uh, he decided to spend uh, next competition in uh, 2019 and uh, yandex museum helped him to do it
2: well we saw it as a we saw it as an opportunity to bridge a gap between uh, yandex museum and the demo we were pretty separate and we, we didn't know uh, the retro, retro sinners very much uh, they didn't know about us very much so that was a good opportunity i think and
0: uh, yeah that's it yeah it, it made quite it made quite the news i mean this is how we found you I yeah. <laughs> over over this competition like AJ actually found you, right? Yeah, yeah. It was on vintage is the new old uh-huh. and um, you were like hey there is this Yandex computer museum um making a retro competition for games. I'm like, oh nice, let's let's write to them. Yeah. You're just like Yandex. Wait, Yandex? <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you are the biggest um, internet company in in Russia. So that's like that's like Google uh, for for America. Yeah. Like saying let let's go into retro now. That's like wow, mind blown. You know, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have expected that. You know, um, so Pavel, how was it for you to make this museum happen? Fine, as you are the founder of the museum. Because H A and I, we spoke to a lot of founders of the museums, for example, in Switzerland and Germany. Yeah, the and Bolle they had Museum. a lot of, you know, um, the, for example, the Bolo Museum had always a financial issue, you know, yeah. like finding rents to space that are cheap enough yeah. and that are in good conditions. So the machines wouldn't rot away because it's too to, uh, too much humidity in the air, or something. So, I guess since you are part of Yandex, you, you had a pretty easy going. Or, oh, oh, yeah, oh, there are some opticals as well to. Um, it, well,
2: it, it certainly hel- helps a lot. You're totally right. Uh, these issues exist very much in Russia, too. We are not the only museum here, as well. Uh, but uh, it really helps to be a part of a big company that uh, can afford uh, to rent a space, uh, to fund uh, purchasing of computers, uh, to to fund repairs and the stuff, and to hire people and uh, to work a, to work on it. So yeah, that that's, that totally helps. Um, I didn't I didn't see it coming. I was dreaming. All, like all my life to start a computer museum but i understood very well that i don't have uh, the necessary resources but then it just happened and how cool is that yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's similar to the bolo museum that happened out of uh, university just by accident you know so yeah sometimes this is how how things go um I mean, I mean, for example, in Germany, you have these problems like you need unique, you need um, buildings with that are cheap and have air conditioning. Like air conditioning, in Germany not so common, you know. Um, but but I guess um, as, as you created, as I understood, the museum out of Yandex, you 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 could you could ask your employer basically find me a place where I can put the museum in.
2: Actually, it's not that simple, it's not like, like uh, absolutely simple, because, uh, you know, we wanted uh, a strong connection between the museum and the company, so our employees can visit it at any time, so we had to find a place near our main office and uh, rents there on cheap, uh, like, not at all.
1: Yeah,
2: so <laughs> this, is, this is the main limiting factor right now, and that's why uh, we are pretty small. Uh, but uh, now we are preparing, uh, no, we as Yandex are preparing to move to a bigger place, and we are promised a bigger place for a museum too. So I guess.
0: Oh, can... so you're actually on the move this year? Nice.
2: Not, on, not this year, uh, unfortunately, we'll have to. Uh, to use this place for a couple more years but we are the work on the new office has been started so i think
1: well, oh what, kind of, what sort of things like uh you know because because obviously we know like the, the zx spectrum and, and whatnot and you were talking about the servers that you found uh you know earlier what other things does the museum have like what kind of exhibits um like you know because i'm sure that there's quite a few machines that that we've never seen before, that you guys would have there?
3: You know, a lot of uh, exhibits, uh, uh, the first exposition uh, was uh, mostly focused on uh, Soviet computers, Mm -hmm. and uh, now we uh, changed it a lot, and uh, you can see, for example, Commodores, uh, Amigas, uh, BBC Micro, Uh, Vectrex, Mm. Apple computers, uh, and uh, a lot of um, not so well-known British computers like a Dragon uh, and maybe TRS-80 from America and uh, Texas Instruments and uh, so on. Mm. Uh, And uh, some people uh, who who come in the museum uh, see what we show and uh, say that, oh, I have uh, the similar computer as this one in my flat of my parents, for example. Can I bring it to you? Uh, I I don't want to bring it to garbage. Uh, Yeah. Maybe maybe you need it. You you, you say, of course, yes, bring it to us. (laughs)
2: To, to generalize a bit, I, we could probably say that the current exhibition is centered about uh, 8-bit micros, oh. uh, while the previous was about Soviet computers mostly. Uh, but we are collecting uh, something s- some less readily available, some less known computers as well, so we uh, just preserve them f- for in, in our storage uh, to be Exhibited when we have a bigger space, like we have a PDP-11, a couple of vectors, uh, We recently acquired a Symbolics list machine. <laughs> yeah, so Thanks. that's it. We're. Uh, I have to admit we are we are not big, but uh, I think we have to start somewhere. And uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: And how do you go with repairing? For example, here in Germany, it's hard to find people that can still repair CRT monitors. That is almost impossible to find. Mm. So how, how do you solve this problem of finding old repair guys that are helping to keep the computers and the monitors running and, and so on? We still have uh, such guys who can repair
3: it in Russia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so it's more more a problem of the the country, rather
2: than... See, uh, see, uh, the economic problems have their upsides too. Uh, The older tech was relevant for a longer time, so (laughs) uh, people who know what to do with uh, this longer, uh, this older tech are still around, uh, yeah.
0: You know, Mm. um, just my arcade machine. It took me years to find somebody repairing this monitor in it, you know. <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. And, and most people are like, ah, trash it and get get a new one. I'm like, no, you can't get a new one. That's not so easy. Um, so, um, well, you, you said you said you are you are small, but it's the beginning. So, um, and you also said you are interchanging the exib- exhibition yeah, topics, we are, so what kind of know, topics can people expect? Well, uh, people
2: really don't don't know what to expect, because uh, um, <laughs> we are setting a trend here, I, I might say, so uh, we just rotate our, our exhibition uh, in topics, so yeah huh. uh, there are some uh, topical museums in russia like a museum dedicated to apple computers and so on but we strive to preserve a broad spectrum of uh, computer history because uh, i believe this is the point of it to preserve the context to mm-hmm. to put everything into the context uh, and to do that you have to uh, work on the broad spectrum of things. Yes, uh, we cannot uh, put everything on exhibition at one time because the limiting factor is space. So we will rotate uh, our exhibitions to cover uh, the topics that we find uh, interesting, that we find important to understanding of computing history in general and in Russia as well in particular. Hmm.
0: Um, and and I wonder what's the general perspective. I mean, when, when, when I go to Gamescom or other events here in Germany, people are actually surprised that there's still new software and new hardware developed for old machines. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, you, you bought this piece of hardware yesterday? You know, hmm. card readers, hard disk drives, flash card readers for such old computers? Why? Why on earth would you invest money for it you know um, yeah. how, how is the perspective on, on, on in, in Russia are people aware that you can still buy new stuff for old machines
2: well obviously the general public isn't yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it could be the other way uh, but I think that the general sentiment is that uh, the retro Things are cool now, <laughs> so right. the people are um, not too surprised that people are spending money on the retro things, on the retro computers, or retro like anything. Uh, um, and this really helps. Uh,
0: yeah, that's that's it's the same like like in the rest of the world. where Since the last ten years, like, well, you need a new joystick? No problem. Here you have it. Yeah. <laughs> so you do you don't need to get your old stuff out. You can get it brand new for the old machines. Um, wonderful, wonderful,
2: wonderful. And um, the, the last ten years were great in progress in simulators and software stuff i guess it's because of the fact that the actual old, old hardware is not as readily available as it was like 20 years ago so mm-hmm. the people who are interested in uh, computer history have to find uh, the ways to run software so they write simulators they do hardware complements to their systems and so on and this is great.
0: That's an actually interesting point. When when I was in Brazil eight years ago, I I, I was in a in an arcade and I played Street Fighter 2. I was like, that's not right. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't look right. And then there was a technician, the arcade technician, and he opened the machine, it was just a PC with name emulator. I go, Oh, that is why. So I wonder how do you guys see it? As a museum, just putting in MAME on a PC to preserve the game—is that right, or should should you rather invest money and time and energy in restoring the boards, the original arcade boards? What's well, your perspective I, of it? I think well, the second
3: solution is right because uh, emulation is—it's uh, not—it's not the true story. It's not the uh, not so soulful it's not so nice i guess so hmm. we're trying of course we're trying to restore the canonical uh, configurations of uh, devices
2: i uh, i'd say that if you can go original you should but there are cases when you cannot like uh, when the computer in question is something really old a uh, really big like you know, PDP ten, and you just want to run the software because you know the software is an exhibit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are cases when simulating is uh, all right, I guess. So it's you
0: know, it's a better solution than not having a, than not having it yeah. at all. Okay, totally. Mm. I mean, I mean, what most people that are not involved into this topic don't know is that actually arcade boards back in the 90s and 80s, they actually had suicidal batteries, the, the, so oh. they would leak out after a few years, oh, and no. the battery acid would um, leak over the motherboard, so the game would stop working. Painful. I heard about that, yeah. And, and actually, there are services nowadays or, or tutorials how to, how to remove those batteries and preserve the data in those yeah. ships that would lose the contents because the battery is blown. Um, total crazy story. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so does,
3: somebody, does somebody makes uh, replicas uh, for, of main boards
0: of the arcade machines nowadays? Well oh. re- re- replicas? You you asked me as a question? Or yeah. well I mean I mean um well most replicas I've found are mostly Linux boards that have an emulator but it's still it's still a JAMA adapter for the arcade yeah. machine, but inside is still a Linux machine, a Linux machine running the emulator software. Yeah. But but yes, you can still get like, um, um, like Super Rally-X or Pac-Man in, in a JAMA board, but it's not the original board. It's more like an emulator running the uh, ROM files in it. Oh. Okay, so thank you. Yeah, and, and of course now, now um, bootlegs are much more common here in Germany because yeah. the original boards are getting rare. Now Now even the bootleg is costing 190 92 euros for aliens because the original is so rare already that the bootlegs are getting higher in price. Yeah. Which I wonder is how funny long it'll take before bootlegs, someone, Yeah. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, I, was, I wonder how long it'll take before someone does reverse engineer and produce a new board for these things because we've seen it with, you know... Uh, the Amiga has a couple of new boards out. The C64 has the reloaded. You know, um, there's so many people that, that are are looking at the old boards, and it's just you know they're they're generally simple circuit board layouts, and all you get you know, and with the technology today, all you got to do is just replicate that and send it off to be made somewhere.
0: I'm not so sure if it's so easy. I mean, if you look at arcade boards, many are like three layers, two mm-hmm. layers, all you right. know, sandwich boards.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that 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 I I wonder how long it's going to take before someone actually does do that.
0: Mm. Well, the problem is that Sega and Konami and all those big companies in Japan are still in business. Yeah, I guess uh, they yeah. will do everything to prevent that from happening. You think? Copyrights yeah. wars. Yeah, I mean, I mean, probably it's a bit more relaxed in Russia, but. I don't see it happening outside of Russia, actually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're smiling. Well, in
4: Russia, uh, nowadays it's about as strict as everywhere else in the world. But there used to be time where basically nobody cared what was happening in Russia. Uh, oh. Like that, this, uh, this is not uh, video game related, but it's a similar. Uh, story because in the early 90s we had uh, I think about three or four unauthorized sequels to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings <laughs> and it wasn't just fan fiction it was professionally uh, written it was professionally published there were publishing houses who looked at it and so yeah it's uh, it's basically a sequel to Lord of the Rings yes of course let's print it <laughs> and nobody. Copyright? What's that? And basically, Tolkien's estate was, was Russia. Yeah, what's what's that? It's like somewhere near to clo- closer to Mordor or something like this. Uh, so because there basically wasn't like any market value, and so people were, were very lax on those things. Now it's not the same. Oh, All right. Thanks. Thanks for
0: this uh, for this addendum. Yeah, <laughs> that is why you were smiling. I have no idea about how the situations are in Russia nowadays. Yeah, and that's again, you know,
1: <laughs> despite the fact that you know so much has changed from from what we knew of back, you know, in the in the 80s and stuff. There's still, you know, it's still kind of closed off in that we don't, again, we we don't get exposed to it much here anymore. You know, we get we get you know lots of. Especially in the U.S., it's lots of you know, like oh, Russia's doing this and or uh, Putin and blah blah blah, and it's like yeah, well, it it's it's that doesn't reflect you know the actual I don't know you know it doesn't reflect the 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 the, the, the people and and what actually occurs in there you know,
0: right, right, yeah, um, yeah. and and back to the point um, about whether you can reverse engineer something or not. I guess it depends a bit on the culture of the company. I mean, for example, when uh, Super Mario Bros. was um, converted to the C64, Nintendo put it down. And, and when, um, when somebody worked on a new Sonic game, Sega actually approached them and said like, hey, let's work together. Let's make this commercial. Yeah. Let's call it Sonic Mania, you know? don't stop your project please continue so um it's a total different perspective you know
2: yeah it totally I- depends on the company and the question in question but uh, you know there are th- things like com- company gets sold and purchased and the new owner has other views on the ip rights and That's what we have with the digital equipment company, Corporation Legacy. It's very much in a gray zone. So nobody knows what we can do with with all this software.
0: And um, I I wonder for the museum, do you have any border where you say this is too modern to preserve? Or do you preserve everything from the latest high-end PC to...
2: Well... Not really. I don't believe that uh, the current uh, top-level PC is worth preserving due to the fact it's readily available. So, uh, the, for me, the border isn't really uh, the age, uh, but uh, the uh, the fact that the computer or the software is interesting isn't re- really readily available. So, for example, we have a very new computer in our museum, Uh, it's called Elbrus, you may have heard of it or you may have, it's a Russian computer developed by entirely in Russia, it has its own uh, instruction set architecture, it's not compatible with anything, it's a very long instruction word like Titanium, uh, but it has tagged tagged memory like uh, list machines uh, it's really weird so it's new but it is really interesting so we have it Uh, there's my guideline like (laughs) how I define it for me for myself right
0: and by the end of the year flash is dying out Adobe announced that on December 31st uh, 2020 flash will stop being um well maintained completely so that's something you can look into flash yeah. <laughs> games flash yeah. games applications <laughs> uh
2: for me personally good riddance
1: yeah yeah i i concur <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but i guess flash is more the topic of the internet archive they are more more into those things yeah yeah <laughs> um I, I wonder, is there something you had to reinvent to preserve, like like writing your own emulator or... Um, well,
2: well, I don't believe we are there yet in terms of resources, uh, okay. we are just a small museum. Uh, it would be cool if we could, but I don't think <laughs> that we are there yet. Mm. So.
3: By the way, um, I'd like to do something like that, but so I don't know can, can can I find time for that?
2: Yeah, it's really time-consuming. Yeah, yeah. But I, I personally is really interested in, in the to preserve uh, this computer legacy in uh, re-implementing something. Uh, there are a lot of uh, very inter- interesting projects like re-implementing computers in fpga or something yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, yeah it's not an emulator in the strict sense it's not the original hardware it's a (laughs) crazy but it's it's a re-implementation yeah Mm -hmm. so Ah, i think this that's really cool
0: that's a that's kind of a battle There's uh, always a battle. What is better, reimplementation, emulation, the real machine? Yeah, I think
1: I th- yeah, I would go with the real machine and then reimplementation before before emulation. That's that's why I still want the Mega sixty five. I still want a Commodore sixty five, and I'm yeah. the first on the list when they start selling them.
0: Eight hundred eight hundred dollars. You uh, euros. You missed your 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 first. Well, point. that that
1: was the that was the developer package. I want the actual one in the in the actual case and everything. You know. Yeah. Um, um, so let's talk a bit about um, let's talk a bit about the, the the Yandex retro games battle 2020 which is how we discovered you guys originally you know um, um, where would you get the idea to do this and, and this isn't the first year that it, it has happened correct it's, it's been there's been a few of these already
0: 2014 well, well, you said earlier right yeah,
2: yeah Well, yes. actually actually yes but uh, in in yandex it would be the second uh okay. competition so we have only one uh, and i guess we have made a mistake of not advertising it except in russian so <laughs> everybody else outside of russia and former soviet Union, you know had pretty much no idea about it and now we see that we could do better so we correct ourselves <laughs>
3: Yes the main point is to invite uh, foreign people uh, to join our competition and uh, we translated our landing in four languages in uh, English uh, not only Russian and uh, Spanish uh, Spanish and uh, Portuguese because uh, there are a lot of that uh, spectrum funds in the in those countries right yes Uh, Last year we had only Russian rules, and we announced it uh, on only uh, Russian people, and, uh, for example, I saw um, in uh, some Facebook communities uh, discussing uh, people who discussed uh, the Yandex Retro Games battle of last year, and they tried to translate the rules uh, via Google Translate or something else, uh trying to understand what is uh, what is it all about so this
2: year is uh, year. yeah of... by the way the last year Aleg was still t- st- wasn't still working with us and he joined the competition and won the second prize
1: <laughs> oh okay
3: <laughs> yes it was <laughs> i made music for that game it was the space monsters meet the hard game. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, and, and you're
1: actually the, the, the um the the prizes for this are actually significant. It's not like you're you're putting out a fair amount of money for for the first and, and first top 3 I think.
3: Yeah. You know it uh, wasn't uh, it wasn't a lot of money in prize in prizes but uh, it's more important to join right competitions uh, like that. Uh, to trying to um, beat uh, your kumirs somebody from your childhood for example and uh, Mm -hmm. from another from people to people from another countries who uh, is involved in rather seen too and so on
2: but then if our if our prizes can motivate people to join I think that's too
3: well. <laughs> yeah
1: but you know but even even you know it, it's not but the I think the top prize is um, in in I guess that that's eighty thousand uh, is that rubles yeah yes. um yeah, yeah but which comes out to about eleven hundred dollars us which is still I mean for producing even back in the 90s when I when I made software you know it was generally like if it was published it was 40 bucks I was making. You know, or maybe a couple hundred dollars, you know, versus, you know, this is, this is more than, than for creating software on a, an obsolete, non-supported platform. And to be able to make that kind of, of money in a prize is still like, that's, that's significant. That's, that's not bad at all. Even, even the third place is, is 580 US dollars, which is a goodly amount. So that's, that's significant. That's really a um, kind of like... I, I kind of want to get into uh, spectrum coding now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I next did, year you can I, participate. I, did, yeah.
1: I need to buy a car. I need to get working on this.
0: <laughs> You're welcome.
2: <laughs> are. Um I
0: wonder I wonder how did those people, as I said... Um, You you invited people for the panel that are not part of the Russian demo or gaming scene. How did they react? Did they were like, wow, an inquiry from Russia? Who are those guys? Or, Or were they fully aware? I mean, what kind of reactions did you get when you sent out the invitations to the panel judges?
3: You know, the most uh, parties uh, of Europe uh, is not uh, available for Russia, for most of Russian people. So I think uh, why, why not to do vice versa, for example. And uh, uh, remote entries are allowed, of course, and I think that um, the reaction is, would be kindful. Oh. because uh, we are doing the same things as they are and
0: uh, why not? Oh. Think. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> Pavel, you said you said uh, we are not big yet as a museum, but there they're, we are getting bigger and um, you said you are building a new location. So well. what are your plans for the future if we can predict a bit? Well, (laughs) to become the best Uh, museum of retro computers
3: in the country.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Why why settle for less? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, kind of that to to grow, to grow a collection, to grow to grow our space, uh, Mm -hmm. to become better now. So that's just plans for expansion and mm. to preservation of more and more computers and of more and more software yeah like that mm.
0: um when when i was emailing with you um oleg you were kind of excited to share this russian information outside to the world right yes i'm very proud of it
2: <laughs> thank you guys so,
0: yeah so yeah, yeah. so from the other perspective you were aware that outside of Russia, people don't know much about what is going on in your country? Uh, I, I
3: wasn't afraid. Uh, uh, it was uh, really strange for me. Because we are living in 2020, and uh, mm. in the century of internet, and uh, it's really strange that uh, foreign people knows not much about uh, Russian.
1: Right. Threat. Yeah. It is it is very very unusual and I I don't know if it's I don't know what why that is um, but yeah it's it's a fascinating scene and it's uh, uh, fascinating to learn all this stuff uh, I'm looking at the website for the museum right now and there's quite a bit of of machines listed which are which I've never heard of and and which I would love to to learn more about I mean it's it's amazing stuff. <laughs>
0: So that means, A.J., we all have to plan a trip to Moscow Hell someday. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> um, now there is one thing I noticed. Um, I mean, I don't know Karelian or Russian, but but I made my own assumptions.
1: Cirilla, I, Cirilla.
0: Um You made a lot of mentions on um, the um, um, Academy. Yandex Academy oh. on the museum page. I wonder what is this relation.
2: Yeah, you see, we at Yandex have several uh, educational initiatives, uh, and Yandex Academy is one of them. It's uh, about uh, teaching uh, people to to program, to code like that, uh, and the to- to- like all kinds of kinds of people. Uh, so we just uh, collaborate with them and when we produce our own videos uh, we publish our videos on their uh, page so we uh, pretty much like that for example uh, a couple of months ago a month ago aleg uh, made a series of series of web- webinars on uh, programming for ZX spectrum. Uh, it was in Russian, I, I don't think if, if it could be useful for uh, your audience, but I believe it's now translated uh, into English, so okay. why not? Uh,
1: so I also want to yeah. point out that they say it correctly by saying the ZX spectrum, not the ZX, as Jurg uh, likes to call it. Okay,
2: thanks. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because it's a pretty British machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, interesting. Mm-hmm. And and also you have you have interviews with um, inventors of those old Russian computers.
2: Yeah, yeah it was uh, a really interesting evening. Uh, you see uh, one of uh, the, the people who frequented our museum studied under one of these guys who, who developed that old machine back in uh, 1980s. Uh, it's I I, I believe it, it, I, I think it's really interesting to talk, to be able to talk to people who designed a computer, especially if it was influential. Uh, yes. And that computer really was influential in Russia, because uh, uh, it, it was probably the cheapest uh, you can you can you could go uh, uh-huh. there in in 1980s. Most people uh, just uh, soldiered uh, that computer themselves, but later some factories began to produce them uh, on the industrial scale. It was a rather primitive computer; it had no graphic mode, uh, but still it was a computer. And a lot of people be- began uh, writing programs for it. Uh, so, for many of us, it was the first computer, and you know the. nostalgia nostalgia is really uh, an important part of our hobby yeah yeah (laughs) so when we were able to invite those guys uh, to Yandex and to uh, run an answer section and all the stuff I believe that was cool they are really nice people nice old gentlemen uh, who Well, remember a lot. You obviously mm-hmm. know a lot about the state of things in the Soviet Union in regard of in, in regard to computing and electronic components and all that stuff. All right. So that was really cool. Mm.
0: So for you guys, it was like a child's uh, dream coming true to talk to yes. those inventors. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: they're they're doing your job in Russia, Jörg.
3: <laughs> yes
0: yes <laughs> yeah yeah i I, I interview some uh, pioneers and um, inventors myself yeah yeah, yeah that's great true. that's okay, true. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, s- such people are um, meanwhile in their 80s or 90s, you know um, when when I spoke to Forrest Moser who invented the speech synthesis, he was 88, you know. And he's still around, inventing stuff and uh, manufacturing stuff and so on. So it's yeah, that's great. Yeah, cool. really cool. Um,
2: and, and those those gentlemen are still teaching, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's it's true. Many many are still working for uh, universities, you know, um, teaching students about old technology. Yeah. Um. Which which brings me back to the uh, discussion we had earlier about emulation or reimplementation. I think um, the generation after my generation they will even not know how the original machine behaved, or uh, or CRT monitors and so yeah. on. And yeah. and then then you could say either it's not important anymore or you could say now it's even more important to preserve the old technology depending on how you see it on which side you you are you know so
2: well as a museum as i said earlier i i believe it is important to preserve it as original as you can Uh, but as if a person is just an old tech enthusiast think it's just as well for him to have an emulator just to play around with the software he wants to play around with or just to have an FPGA sitting on his desk when he cannot afford to plug his PDP 11 on because of electric bills and, and stuff mm-hmm. like why not right so um, what
0: is the what is the computer or the software you own that you are most proud of the most rarest thing that's hard to get by that that you have
2: well I
0: that's a tricky
2: that. that's a tricky question you know
0: that's maybe a list machine? well,
2: well
3: uh, maybe it's about uh, list machine
2: no? Yeah, I, I generally uh, like talking about the, re- the most recent acquisition, <laughs> which is in my case the Symbolics list machine, which isn't, which is really rare by, by the way. Uh, it, it's not uh, exhibited as of now. It's sitting right now on my desk as we speak, <laughs> as I am preparing <laughs> the exhibition. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little machine. Uh, not not uh, seen too frequently. Uh, I don't anywhere, but virtually unknown in Russia. So I, I guess it will make a great exhibitions. Uh, I personally am very interested in uh, DEC Legacy, Digital Equipment Corporation. So right. uh, I like our micro PDP 11 and our micro Vaxes and all this stuff. And we, acquired, we even acquired uh, a thing called SBC 6120. It's a re-implementation, actually, of uh, PTP-8, uh, which is a weird little machine. It has 12-bit words. It doesn't have byte addressing, and Uh, and while it is a re-implementation, it uses an original microprocessor 6120 made in back in the 1980s and it was used in the original digital machines uh, but the motherboard and all the stuff and the panel is new so mm. yeah halfway halfway between original and yeah, re yeah. and, and, <laughs> and nice. so it, it runs the real software yeah, i like it very much so. mm. And Alec probably likes uh, his Spectrums.
3: (laughs) Not only. uh, For example, we both uh, recently, uh, Sinclair QL is a rather rare machine, uh, but uh, our item is with a new keyboard membrane. And uh, he is in original box, almost like new, and uh, with... uh, power supply in very good conditions uh, with all the documentations and uh, it works, it works. uh, We both uh, for for them uh, micro drives, Uh, we found a guy who writes it uh, nowadays with uh, six times formatting and uh, he writes software on it with uh, double verification the micro drives are not so good uh, to store uh, software on it but uh, this guy doing all his best uh, to prevent the damage software
2: okay i believe the thing is that uh, the things that we find the more exciting are the things that you might find more dull because they are more readily available in the west and vice versa so uh yeah uh, as a thing so uh, you said that you browsed our website and uh, saw machines that you haven't heard about and you were intrigued about them so for example we have, we still have and run my first computer, which was a Soviet-made machine. Uh, it was a home computer built into a keyboard like, like uh, C64s uh, and right. Spectrums, you know. But it was actually a PDP-11 clone, uh, which is probably why I'm st- st- still uh, so fond of them, of hmm. PDP-11s. So yeah, things like that probably aren't uh, very well known in the West, right. but they're much more common here. And so we are not so excited about them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, we have we have millions of them, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Like <laughs> like that story, HA you had with, um, yeah, with Bill Hurd, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. About the Commodore's 128 problem. Yeah. And he, he was telling you, like, don't bother fixing it?
1: Yeah, buy just buy another one. we made billions of those.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hmm. Um, all good. right. So um, I don't know about you guys For, from my side. Yeah. I got it pretty much covered.
1: Yeah. Where can people go to find out more about this? What, what's uh, your website address and, and, and all the information that they need to learn about the museum and about the contest?
2: Well, uh, you can find all the information our, on our website yandex.ru/museum. We have all the links to uh, the competition, uh, to the information about our museum, uh, to the terms of visiting. Uh, by the way, we don't charge for the admission. And, uh, oh. I'm proud of it. It's it's open for everybody. Uh, and it helps to attract younger people, like you know, there is a lot of school children uh, who frequent our museum, which is.
0: That's actually an cool. interesting point. Yeah. You said you are pretty proud of it. I thought it was pretty much normal to not charge for taking part. No. Uh, sorry. I said said you said you you are proud that you are not charged. Yeah, for 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 an entrance fee or something. and yeah. I thought I thought um, not charging from competition is a normal normal no, thing. No, no, no. Huh?
2: Uh, sorry, I was uh, didn't make myself clear. I wasn't talking about the competition. I was talking about admission to the museum premises. Ah, the,
0: the entrance to the museum is yeah. free. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. That's that's uh,
2: obviously obviously we don't charge for uh, participation in competition. Yeah, that, that would be really weird. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like some like some um, spam messages, you're yeah. winning money, but first you have to pay a fee. Yeah, right. Yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was just a misunderstanding. So, so the museum is for free.
2: Yeah. Yes. So too. it's everything on our website, and there we publish just, uh, our videos as well, our webinars and, and the stuff. So everything is there.
1: Awesome. We will awesome. put a link to everything in the podcast description down below so that everybody over there, so it's going to be somewhere down there, so that everyone can see it and check it out.
0: Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Have a nice evening. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thanks for sitting Thank with us, and it's been awesome.
0: Great, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Bye bye.
3: See ya. Bye-bye.